0: Friends, we continue our sojourn in the book of Jonah, so turn with me please as we read tonight from chapter 1 and verse 17, and we'll then read through chapter 2 to verse 10. This is our seventh Luke at the book of Jonah, as tonight we consider the Chi title. Jonah's afflictions. (laughs) Please be a good heart. It remains the Word of God. (laughs) Jonah chapter 1 verse 17. Then it says, But the Lord provided a great fish. Hallelujah. Isn't that a good way to start? (laughs) Jonah, remember, had been thrown overboard. It was bleak as bleak can be. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God and said, In my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. And the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. To the earth beneath barred me in in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose up to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What have I vowed I will make good? Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. This is the word of God. Let's pray together, shall we? Almighty God, our loving Heavenly Father, we are so blessed to be here in Your eternal presence this evening. These are not mere optimistic words. This is the reality. God is here by His Holy Spirit. And you're here to bless us. You're here to meet with us. You're here to minister to us. Hallelujah. Oh, what a salvation this is. That Christ liveth in us. That God, by His Holy Spirit, is here in the midst of His own. Oh, Father, we thank You for the chance to express inwardly, audibly, how we feel. (laughs) Father, we're desperate for You. We gather here tonight because there's an element of us uh, that's desperate for a blessing. We hear of what You are doing in other parts of the world and we rejoice with brothers and sisters elsewhere But we would pray tonight, Father, what about us? We're desperate for You. We hear of outpourings of Your Holy Spirit that is bringing many into the kingdom of God in other parts of the world. But Lord, as You bless others, do not overlook us here in Wales. We're desperate for You. And we recognize afresh tonight, Father, that it is not by might nor power of man that You come by your spirit that such blessings fall. It's by your spirit that the church of God is revived. It is by your spirit that the dead in Christ are regenerated of heart. We're desperate for you. That's why we're here, Lord. Father, we cry out tonight in the name of Jesus. That wonderful name. A beautiful name. That name that has been uttered and claimed by countless millions throughout the generations of the church. The name of Jesus. We cry out by that name. And we plead for a blessing. We're desperate for you. We thank you, Father, that you are still speaking, communicating to your own. And that you're using these precious scriptures, your word, the word of God. We come again to focus on the Word. Oh Lord, once again we acknowledge a need. Our need for the same Holy Spirit that inspired the writing those centuries ago to come tonight afresh. Help us in our understanding and speak into our hearts and lives through these living Scriptures. The living Word of God might your word penetrate deep into our hearts and lives, for we're desperate for you. Father, if there is anything or anyone that might hinder your blessing in this place tonight, remove it, Father. Remove that person, we pray, in the name of Jesus, for your Kingdom's sake, because we are desperate for you. Hear us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. In our last study in this extraordinary little book, we observed how Jonah recovered a fundamental principle that we Christians sometimes forget. Jonah understood that his life was not his own. How many of us forget the words of our Lord Jesus Christ in Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 35, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the Gospel will save it. The apostle Paul had to remind the Corinthian Christians, remember, in one Corinthians six, nineteen through twenty, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Jonah learned this lesson the hard way. As oft times so do we. In today's lesson, we find Jonah praying. Praying in the belly of the fish. Granted, friends, the belly of the fish may not be a happy place to live. But I put it to you, it is a good place to learn. The belly of a fish might not be a happy place to live. But I put it to you. It is a good place to learn. We might call Jonah's learning process here chastening or discipline. It is important we understand that discipline is not punishment for its own sake. Rather, it is preparation. Indeed, I believe The word preparation is the key word in the entire book of Jonah. Another way of saying it is this. Preparation or discipline is insurance that we will do God's will. Of course, the primary method God uses with His people to ensure that they will obey is simply His Word. The exposition of His Word, the teaching, the preaching of His Word. God uses His Word, the Word of God, by the Holy Spirit. This is God's primary method. Thus, happy is the Christian who responds to God's beckoning through the primary means, the Word of God. But there is a secondary means Jonah, remember, had heard the Word of God. But it was necessary for a secondary means. Discipline. Thus, if we will not obey the Word directly and immediately, then God uses this other method. It's not popular, I grant you, but Nevertheless throughout the history of the Christian church we have example after example after example when God sees fit to use this secondary method discipline let's remember however brethren that God uses never uses discipline for discipline's sake chastening is always preparation it's another sermon in itself. But let's remind ourselves of the three cardinal rules with regards to the doctrine of discipline. Rules found in the epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. The first cardinal rule in the doctrine of discipline is, discipline is inevitable for the child of God. The second cardinal rule is this. Discipline is painful. And the third cardinal rule is, and it brings us right into Jonah, discipline is preparation. For the writers of the Hebrews in chapter 12 verse 10 says, God disciplines us for our good that we might share His holiness. Discipline is simultaneously wrath and mercy. And therefore, all discipline may be called, if you like, a fish of some kind or other. Friends, tonight we need to discover our fish. The fish that God is using in our lives. What might be my fish is not likely to be yours. And what might be your fish is not likely to be mine. Friends, God needs no precedent. He need do nothing twice. God deals singularly with each and every one of us. The fish, praise God, however, is not the end. It is the means. It is the discipline. It is the preparation that we, my friends, as the writer of the Hebrews says, might be sharing the holiness of God. It is clear that at the time of his affliction in the belly of the fish, Jonah finds expression in prayer. How often that is. When we find ourselves in our fish. We find expression in prayer. Two simple thoughts help us as we focus on Jonah's prayer tonight. I want us to think firstly about the motivation of Jonah's prayer. And secondly, the manner of Jonah's prayer. So firstly, the motivation of Jonah's prayer. We are told in chapter 2 and verse 1, that from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Now then, if you are like me, you are already asking yourself the question, why not before? Jonah (laughs) why weren't you praying before Jonah why didn't Jonah pray before he was swallowed by the fish well perhaps it was because he was out of the habit of praying We're told in chapter 1 and verse 3 that Jonah ran away from the presence of the Lord. He ran away. He exercised his will to run away from God. Now friends, this is the quickest way to get out of the habit of praying. Disobedience often leads to a prayerless life. Friends, we... Know what it is like. Do do we know what it is like to be out of the habit of praying? In a previous pastorate, I once inquired into the prayer life of a very dear brother in Christ who was struggling with certain personal issues. Oh, pastor, he said, every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I'll pray. Well, I initially nodded in appreciation of his response. But it later occurred to me that the thing especially wrong with that mindset is that it promotes the idea that if we just wait until we feel like praying, that's okay. Now, I know what I'm like. And friends, candidly, if I waited until I felt like praying, I would pray very little. Prayer is not a natural attribute in man and woman, you see. I find praying the most difficult enterprise in the Christian life. Praying is not easy. Praying is hard work. And if we get out of the habit of praying, it is very, very difficult to get back into the habit of praying. The chances are it might take a fish to swallow us up, to bring us back to the place of prayer, since we would not likely to have been praying any other way. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed. My brother, my sister in Christ, are you out of the habit of prayer? It might be that our Lord sends a fish to swallow you up. Metaphorically, please God. But nevertheless, very really, that from out of the fish, from inside the fish, Doug Atherton might pray. Perhaps Jonah didn't pray earlier because things were happening too fast for him to pray. He rose up to flee from the presence of the Lord. And in quick succession, there came the wind. There came his awakening. There came the disclosure of his true identity. And then came his confession. And then came his own counsel. Throw me overboard. It was happening all too quick for him. And all of a sudden he finds himself at the bottom of the sea. How quickly things move upon the disobedient servant. May I suggest a third reason why perhaps Jonah didn't pray earlier? Perhaps it was because he had the assurance all along that God was with him, and he really wasn't that worried. Now, this should not surprise us, but it may. Faith or assurance... These are indestructible, I believe. Jonah never really questioned God's love for him. And even when he rose up to flee from the presence of the Lord, he still, in a sense, knew a measure of God's presence. And why wouldn't he know a measure? For God has promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. He wasn't that worried, it seems to me, what he was doing. But such disobedience, my friends, will forfeit a measure of assurance. But but God remains, for God is true to His Word. Even in disobedience, the true Christian is assured a measure of God's presence. According to John, 1 John 3, 9, God's seeds remains in Him. May I go further and suggest that this kind of Christian is the hardest Christian to deal with. There are many Christians today who will not do what they ought to do simply because they do have... A measure of assurance. From experience I find that the most difficult man or woman to counsel is the one who has a measure of assurance. You can't tell them anything. They think they know it all. And to get a person like this sufficiently motivated to confront, to to conform requires a fish to swallow them up. Jonah, because he was a child of God, in spite of his disobedience, knew a measure of God's presence. And so he thought everything was okay. Everything was not okay. God sent a fish to swallow him. And so, until now, Jonah had not been sufficiently motivated to pray. When God's Word by itself fails, discipline often succeeds. When preaching doesn't produce the fruit that God requires in the life of the Christian, God's preparation often does. When counseling fails, the fish might just do it. My friends, God, either by His sovereign will or permissive will, has a way of making us do His will when we would not have it done any other way. I do offer a warning here, brethren. From experience, God can be ruthless in His processes of preparation. From inside the fish, Jonah What will it take to get you and I to conform to God's will? Are we responding to the Word of God as it is faithfully brought from from week to week to week? By various means and through various mediums. Or are we so entrenched, perhaps confused, because there's a measure of blessing that God has to send a fish? From the belly of the fish, Jonah prayed. Secondly, the manner of Jonah's prayer. We're told that Jonah not only prayed, but he cried. Jonah testified, and this is the authorized translation, in chapter 2, verse 2. I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. Friends, there is praying, and there is praying. There is praying, and there is praying. There is recited prayer. We regularly share together the family prayers. We call it the Lord's Prayer here in this place. There are red prayers. Sometimes we prepare in advance our prayers and, and read our intercessions. That's perfectly fine. There are public prayers. We pray together uh, as a congregation often, publicly. There's conversational prayer. Sometimes we find ourselves conversing with a loving Heavenly Father as one converses with a friend. It's precious. There's silent prayer. But friends, there is praying. And there is praying. We are told that Jonah cried. He cried. I wonder... When was the last time that we wept in prayer? We're talking here about an intensity of prayer that is, in fact, desperation of soul, a desperation that manifests itself with tears. There's an interesting insight. To be had in the story of Hezekiah as recorded in the prophet Isaiah chapter 38. It is the account of when Isaiah the prophet came with the word of God to Hezekiah. Declaring, put your house in order. Because you are going to die. You will not recover. Then we read that Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. God's Word then came to the prophet Isaiah a second time and told him to tell Hezekiah in verse 5 of chapter, one, of, of chapter 38, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. And I will add 15 years to your life. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? How amazing is that? God's word had been received by King Hezekiah. A word of condemnation. You will die. But the judge of all the earth heard his prayer, but more than that, saw his tears and answered his prayer as he prayed. Pleaded for his life. Wow. How amazing is that? Brethren, there's prayer. And there's prayer. Wouldn't you agree? There are prayer meetings. And there are prayer meetings. Jonah cried unto his God from the belly of the fish. We may not have the things that we ask for because we have not wanted them enough to weep for them. Perhaps we're too proud to cry. I was. For a long time God dealt with me. I was a scouser, brought up in a hard, hard environment. One didn't cry where I was brought up, for it was a sure sign of weakness. It would attract further affliction, accusation. Boy, oh boy, God had to deal with me on this. Bring me to my knees, that I might weep for my sins. Weep for the sins of my nation. Perhaps we we're too proud to cry. It's a sad thing perhaps when we cannot cry. Perhaps we see crying as a sign of weakness or maybe even an act of cowardice. But God has a way of making us cry sometimes. And perhaps it is Him sending a fish that whilst in our fish, in the belly of the fish, in absolute desperation, back against the wall, we cry. Jonah cried. The interesting thing about this incredible passage is that God heard his cry from the belly of the fish. So, my friends, in the midst of his affliction... Jonah eventually prayed. I suppose we can only hypothesize as to the real reason why it took him so long to pray. (laughs) My friends, are we in prayer? Is it the general rule of our lives rather than the exception? Are our lives defined by the number of hours we spend on our knees in prayer? Or do we just tag it on to our already busy lives? Granted, God understands our busyness. Perhaps our prayerlessness is registering in heaven and God is sending a fish our way. <laughs> My friends, it's a means to an end, not the end itself. God is gently or perhaps less than gently wooing us back to himself because he loves us. He longs that we might commune with him more. He longs that we might spend more time in his precious word. (laughs) And so he's wooing us back to himself. My prayerless child, (laughs) I'm sending a fish your way tonight. That from the belly of the fish we might cry out. Cry out. We've sang it, haven't we? And we reflected upon this this morning. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. That intensity of desire of which Christ spoke that was in fact desperation. I'm desperate for you, Lord. There's prayer and there's prayer. One of the things that struck me when I went to study at the Faith Mission Bible College in Gilmerton, Edinburgh, were were the prayer meetings. I thought I knew how to pray. Until I sat down with a group of fellow students and lecturers and teachers and, and local clergymen as they lay held of God in a way that I'd only dreamed of before. My friends, they knew how to pray. And very rarely a prayer meeting went by from day to day. Early morning prayer meetings, mind, 7 a.m. Very rarely a prayer meeting went by without people weeping before God in prayer. I'll be honest, I found it unsettling. Until God broke me. I found myself judging, judging them. Look at those guys weeping. (laughs) I bet they think they're more spiritual. Until God brought me down swallowed me with a great fish weeping we should be careful friends before we conclude it was kind of an afterthought in preparation but I thought I should mention it we should be careful as we think about God's discipline think about God's preparation to distinguish between affliction and oppression friends, God afflicts The devil oppresses. And there's a fundamental difference. And often within the confines of the Christian church, the two are confused. We should not be confused. God afflicts either by His sovereign will or His permissive will. He afflicts us as we're in our fish, so to speak. This process of discipline, this methodology of preparation, He afflicts. For the Apostle Paul, of course, it was a thorn in the flesh. Second Corinthians 12, wherever that might have been. But affliction is sent by God. And my friends, it's a means to an end and not the end itself. Oppression is sent by the enemy. And he tries to make it the end. He tries to finish us off. This is why God never delights merely in punishing us. Discipline is always preparation. God's affliction, we must understand, motivates us. Oppression binds us. Now the enemy's keen, isn't he, to bind the children of God by oppressing them. That is not God's purpose for you, my friend. In the name of Jesus, you can speak against the enemy and banish him. But God afflicts. He disciplines. Why? Because He loves us. (laughs) He wants us to spend more time with Him in prayer. And He wants to cause our prayer lives, if you like, to be not just praying, but praying. And so in the midst of his affliction, Jonah prayed. My friends, in the midst of our affliction, let us lift up our hearts unto Jesus and pray. Father, we thank you for these scriptures, searching, though they are in so many ways. Father, some of us tonight are grappling with these dynamics. Reluctantly, perhaps, some of us, Father, here tonight are deflecting these truths. It's not for me. Oh, Father, where there is a struggle. Help us, we pray, to embrace the word of God, to surrender to the purposes of God, lest you send a fish our way tonight to consume us. If that is necessary, Father, it is necessary. But we understand you discipline those you love. Have your will, your way in our lives these days. In the name of Jesus. Amen.